Hello and welcome to another episode of the 30 Minute CMO Podcast. After a long break, we are back. My name is Gorsha Huchoy and I'm joined by my friend, Alex McNamara. It is really good to see you and hear you. Good to see you too. And hey, yes, it's been a while. What a long hiatus. It's been a long hiatus. I didn't hiatus. know what to do with my evenings without <clears throat> without podcasts. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, conversation juice just became beer. Conversation juice just became juice. Yeah, um, just, just, just. So like that was nice. Yes, I, I mean, got my conversation juice hazy little thing IPA from Sierra Nevada, very delicious. Yeah, uh, I'm fancy. I'm drinking. Um, a thing called giant with a J, of course. Uh, it's a hard kombucha, uh, and it's brewed with green tea, passion fruit, and elderflower, and uh, of course, naturally gluten free, as it says in the can. Naturally, and I'm sure it's made in like Beverly Hills or Santa Monica. It's made in Santa classic. Monica. classic, classic. I would, I, I would expect nothing less. You, did you speak of Santa Monica brewed items? Yes. Did you see that Santa Monica Brew Works have done a partnership with? Um, Bay Cities to do a Godmother beer. I think it follows on their partnership with In and Out. <laughs> Wait, what? That's not real. Yeah, <laughs> but I did see the Bay Cities thing. I think you actually told me about this um, uh, before our last episode. Um, I love Bay Cities and I love the Godmother sandwich. I'm just not quite sure what the liquid version of that tastes like. I think separately as two items, they would be delicious pairing. Yes. Combined, I don't know what that means. Given you are our closest Santa Monica resident right now. I have to, I have to empirically validate I, this. I feel like you need to go there and and sample on behalf of me and the listeners to, to describe what this flavor is. Gorsha Huchua out in the wild sampling the Bay City's Brewworks beer. <laughs> I, I will give you my I will give you my verdict on the next podcast, I promise. Hold Sounds me good. To it. Hold me to it. Um, well, listen, um, we're back with Ad Talk. Um, this is our little show uh, format where we talk about all things that are marketing related. Um, and we have quite a few topics that have built up over the past month. We took a lot of hiatus because I had to take a trip in the middle of the pandemic. I'm back. Unbelievable. Uh, on a plane. I, I flew in planes. It felt insane, and at the same time, oh so nice because they were, <laughs> they, they were incredibly empty, at least for the most part. Um, and uh, let's—I mean, let's just get right into it uh, because let's do it. some of the some of the topics that we have here are sort of pandemic adjacent, and how different um, brands and other entities are sort of playing around with this with the concept. Um, let's start with Tesco. Uh, Tesco is, is the largest UK-based uh, grocery mm -hmm. store chain, sort of the equivalent of like a Kroger in the US. Um, yep. Ones, pavilions. Um, and talk to me about Tesco and what they recently did um, uh, with their advertising. Yeah. So on on the beer theme, um, Tesco released an ad in the in print. You know, class. This is the classic UK strategy for creatives. You can buy print day before really easily. Um, and they love print because everyone sees the print ad because it makes it real. Um, so the UK just reopened. And the basically what that means is 
all the pubs reopened, which is the most important thing for every UK person. And they ran this ad, which was um, a picture of a pint. And it said, you know, usually we use a space to go and sell you our great deals. But instead, please go visit local. The pubs have had a terrible time. Restaurants have had a terrible time. Go visit your local establishment and have a beer there instead of buying them at Tesco's. And I thought it's a really nice idea. Um, and I really love the sentiment, but I had two problems with it. Mm-hmm. I, you didn't see that coming, did you? But <laughs> I, have two, I had two problems with it. One, it's I felt like it was a very good ad and very heartfelt for a creative who's trying to win a can lion mm-hmm. and not so much to actually help Tesco other than to get Tesco's name in all of the advertising press. Mm. And two, Burger King did pretty much the same thing about trying not to just sell their own products, but to sell the category um, when they ran their ad earlier in the pandemic about, you know, usually we wouldn't do this, but um, we think you should go buy from McDonald's, KFC, uh, Carl's Jr., yada, yada, Independence. And, um, and that got a lot of press early in the pandemic. So I loved the idea behind um, a, a a competitor to pubs because you know you know tesco sells well and supermarkets just sell beer cheaper so you can drink at home um and saying don't buy our beer go to the pubs i love that it just felt like a creative director and bbh was like what can i use to put in my portfolio for my next job interview i uh i have one more to add which uh is i feel like this is bullshit um and in that (laughs) Going, going to uh, telling people, first of all, who are you, Tesco, to tell people to, you know, go, like, can people do both, first of all? But is going to the pub once going to rescue the pubs from the nightmare of a year that they had? Like, th- this, this no. to me is where it falls flat. It's sort of, it's, 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 it's so token. It's like the definition of tokenism, yeah. right? It's like, hey, today go to the pub, but t- tomorrow come back to Tesco, you know, come, come back to Tesco, but you buy a three for five giant bottles of beer will yeah. undercut all of the pub prices so that they can barely compete with the supermarkets at all. Um, but today go, go and help them for the one or two points you had had on a, on a Monday. Yeah. I just, I, this not, nothing, nothing about this ad seems genuine and you're right this just screams of like trying to generate goodwill among judges at can or somewhere um because yep. frankly i don't think this is a can worthy uh given that burger king had done this already i feel like this is just a copycat thing with even less um imagination so um yeah i'm not i'm 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 actually like vehemently not a fan of this <laughs> ad i mean that's that's a scathing review right there I mean, who am I, who am I to say, but I, I just, I just don't, I just don't like it. Um, I think you have another one uh, that another <laughs> I'm probably, one, I'm probably not going to like, like. <laughs> and you're not going to like either. I, this, right. So I saw that I didn't see this one in person. I saw this on Instagram from a, someone that I follow and it's ba- the, the, the premise is basically it's a outdoor print ad on a bus shelter mm-hmm. and it, um, I'm just going to pull it up just to make sure I'm quoting this correctly. And the, the headline is uh, best Coke ever, question mark. Underneath it, hashtag yes, hashtag no. Underneath that, a big can of Coke in a red can 
with zero sugar. So I think they're trying to play on the, the branding there. Um, and then it says underneath that, try first. I don't know what this means. This is a, this is a, this is a bus shelter ad. As we've discussed, out of home really, is really great for delivering that like quick read, quick understanding, pithy lines. Best Coke ever, hashtag yes, hashtag. Do you want me to go to Twitter and, and hashtag yes? Like just, just hashtag yes or hashtag no? What do you want me to do with this? What's the, what's the call to action here? Do you want me to buy the Coke Zero red can? I don't, what, what, who did this? Why have you, why had this been approved? What on, what on earth is yeah. happening here? Yeah. I'm showing the camera, the, the ad, I'm so flummoxed with this. I do not understand how this got first created, second approved, third in a bus shelter. Honestly. Unless there's something that is probably not there, which is some sort some sort of like geographical tie-in where if you if you were to 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 get into to go on Twitter or Instagram and start typing hashtag yes. Uh, it all kind of relates back to Coke, which I'm sure is impossible. Yeah, this just seems lazy. It just seems like, I, I mean, I don't know what it seems like. I, uh, let's also talk about for a second, uh, you know, the, the hashtags. Um, I feel like ever since Twitter invented the whole hashtag thing, they have been overused by marketers who are trying to be, I don't know, digitally relevant without even it being kind of, it, it, like most of them don't make sense. I understand when they want to like, it's like a campaign line and they want people to like join in the conversation and there's a place for people to talk about the new product they're launching or the, you know, new ad that they're talking about. And I've seen it used well in quotes. Well, unlike Super Bowl ads where it's like, pick which ad you like more. We'll run it in the Super Bowl for you. Yeah. Um, and like and and i can see how that works because twitter is like the live you know um congregation the roman forum if you will for the modern day uh digital native and i feel like this was just like throw in some hashtags like make this a yeah an instagram post with a with a voting button but put it in a billboard so My I, I mean, th this this is just bad. Like everything, everything about this seems seems bad. Like it's not. I mean, the only the maybe the only way that they succeeded is by making it so bad. Is that we're talking about this? That maybe that's what stops people in their tracks. It's kind of like, wait, what do you want me to do? And then all of a sudden they're paying attention to coke. And if you subscribe to like, no PR is bad PR. Then you know. So then... they intentionally made it terrible. So we would think about the red coke zero coke. I mean, it's meta. <laughs> it's meta. I mean, unless there is a TV or other campaign that goes with this that maybe we're not getting, but this is like classic. The user can enter your advertising journey at any point in the funnel. Let's make sure it makes sense when they do join. And this does not. You know what this feels Too like? Many of those. It, it it feels like their out of home agency called them and was like, "Hey, you guys bought like so much out of home inventory last year that you didn't end up using. So it, before it expires, do you want to just like <laughs> yeah. run something?" And they're like, "Uh, we don't have anything for it, but like here you go." So that's what. Yeah, put the like. Instagram post in it. 
You know what, though? Uh, it does remind <laughs> me of actually something that was done really, really well. And this was done a long time ago, maybe maybe close to 10 years ago. And this was, I think this was done by Charmin, the toilet paper brand. And yeah. they basically used um, hashtags and bus shelters, as well as um, what they called wild postings, um, to settle the debate of whether toilet paper should go over or under. And they used hashtags over or under. And they did this whole like campaign in New York City, and I'm sure it was done in other big cities. And then they used, um, I think they may have used a Super Bowl spot to uh, air the results. Um, and something yeah. like 60% of the people said it meant to go over, um, which is cor the correct answer, by the way. Which um, is the correct answer. Yeah, there's no debate there. It's over or you're a maniac. That's right, the exactly. You're a, you're a psychopath if it's under. Like you just, I mean. Yeah. We should call the ATF, but I um, I do think yeah. that I do think that over and under as hashtags are probably mm -hmm. a little bit more niche, even though they're they're simple words than yes or no. But I, I'm assuming there was an explanation in the rest of Correct. the content of the ad. Correct that gave people an idea of what to do. I can't imagine people just went on Twitter and went hashtag yes in would like and that was it that was the only instruction that you got yeah or so was on instagram so can, is it safe to say that for this one we're giving it a hashtag no hashtag no hashtag hashtag no, no thanks hashtag <laughs> fire whoever made this and hashtag, approved it hashtag hell no all right well um so we have two two ads um one you thought was good tesco i thought it was terrible no, I thought Tesco, I liked the Tesco idea, but I didn't like that the idea came from such a navel gazing place. All right. So two so, two, two so far that we are basically kind of like thumb, thumbs down in some sense. Thumbs down. Hashtag no. I got a third. I got a third one for you. That's definitely a thumbs down in my book. And this comes from, oh a bit from a per, uh, personal experience. As I mentioned, um, took a trip. Um, flew on several airlines uh, in February and then March um, going to Europe for family reasons. Um, and so One World is uh, one of the three main airline alliances. You, you, you may know them because if you fly on American or British Airways or Iberia or one of the One World Airlines, um, you kind of understand what those alliances do. Um, from time to time, they, they, points. They, you collect points, you get some bennies. Yeah. Um, obviously, terrible time for uh, for airlines right now, as, as as it is in general for the travel industry. You and I have covered this on and off during the course of course of the last year, and um, I feel very I mean I'm very sympathetic, obviously, to to uh, to them. But but um, right now, uh, One World decided that the message it wants to go out into the world with and to kind of support um, the consistency of what you can expect on board all of its carriers is safety um, and yep. specifically safety around COVID, right? And so uh, what they've done is release this video, um, uh, which is their kind of safety first campaign where they show um, all of the member airline staff, you know, flight attendants, stewardess, you know, flight attendants, I guess is the, is the right, is the right term. Um, pilots as well, um, demonstrating what safe COVID safety on board looks like masks, I think in some cases, gloves. Um, and they have like a jingle that they, 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 they do. Um, and it's all nice and it's all great. If you're sitting at home and 
I don't know, somehow happen to see this video. Uh, I'm not sure that it's going to make you get out of uh, out of your house, get on a plane. But I feel like if you are getting on a plane because you have to fly and you're like, oh, I saw this. And my expectation is that across all of the one world carries, whether it's American or BA or one of the other ones, I'm going to see similar levels of service. Well, you're not. You are not. Because at the end of the day, <laughs> if you're going to go out no, with a I'm message, uh, especially one that's built around safety, you should make sure that the experience on board lives up to it. And it just doesn't. Um, so case in point, I flew four different One, uh, one World Airlines uh, in the span of 30 days. I flew American, which was very, very good in terms of enforcing its mask on policies. And uh, um, all of their messaging was very strict and very consistent. Yep. Um, I flew Finnair, the national carrier of Finland, uh, which you would think that the Scandies would have uh, really good adherence to the rules, and they didn't. Hmm. Um, the passengers did not wear uh, masks properly, although they actually some passengers did not wear masks, and flight attendants did not enforce it. The plane was packed, people were not wearing masks, and flight attendants chose to ignore that. Um, I flew S7, which is a Russian airline, which is also part of One World, and despite constant announcements around wearing of masks and in Russia also in public in public places you have to wear rubber um, like single-use gloves um, people were coming on board without even having masks so they hand out masks <laughs> on board people say thank you put them in their pocket go and sit down uh, some people were using them as eye shades some people were just not, <laughs> not wearing them I'm not kidding um, I counted actually my wife and I sat there and counted people boarding out of 150 people or so that boarded the plane, the plane was full. Um, it's, it seemed like about 20% had masks. Jeez. Uh, the flight attendants themselves um, did not wear them properly. Um, and the British Airways uh, did seem to do a, a decent enough job of, of mask enforcement on my, on my flight back. But I, 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 just, I just have a bone to pick with this because like when it comes to safety, uh, like either, either be sure that the thing that you're promoting is actually happening or don't promote it. Uh, yeah. I actually posted on their Instagram uh, under, under their like safety thing. And I was like, guys, like this doesn't match anything that I experienced in the last 15 days uh, of, uh, you know, firsthand. So, uh, you know, imagine a grocery store and uh, during the pandemic, if like Whole Foods or Kroger or someone went out with a message being like, we're safety first. And then you come in and like none of the employees are wearing masks and there's zero enforcement in the stores of mask wearing and everything is crowded and there was no capacity control. Like it'd be in the news. It's just because people aren't flying right now or until yeah. now they weren't really flying. I probably didn't really make it into the news all that much, but it's kind of crazy. It's, I mean, it's, I mean, if you're going to run and spend millions on advertising of millions of dollars that you're currently hemorrhaging for people not flying about being safety first and safety conscious and, People are already nervous about flying. If you're just going to disregard, disregard that and not train your or not have staff that are willing to enforce it, don't bother. Just don't set the expectation that it's going to be safe. Just don't run anything. So that when, when people do fly, that it's like, oh, I wish this was better, but I guess this is fine because maybe they don't have a policy in place. Maybe I'm an idiot and thought they did and they actually don't. But if you're going to spend money on paid media to then to talk about how safe or it is. Or creative. Like, 
or just on yeah. creative, right? Just like, like, I mean, this is like classic central global team, so, you know, runs, makes the creative, puts the paid media behind it. And then the rest of the local markets decide that they want to do something else and they're not going to adhere to the, to whatever the creative says, and they're going to do something else. It just, again, like, I feel like sometimes marketing teams live in this like Lala world of uh, like what they imagine reality to be versus like classic example of the Pepsi, um, the was it Kylie Jenner or Kendall Jenner campaign where she yeah. hands the Pepsi can to like uh, the, the police officer uh, during solves racism. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, like, was, uh, come on, just because you want to pretend like the world is 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 the way that you pretend that doesn't mean that it's that way. Like, do a little bit of research, you know, like make something that actually reflects the reality on the ground. And speaking of which, I think what happens, you know, what you experience with these airlines is actually what's happening in their respective countries. You know, um, the approach to safety, the approach to how we think about COVID is reflective of the national policies, because most of these carriers are either subsidized um, nationally promoted by their national governments or somehow enjoy, currently enjoy, I mean, for goodness sake, like the, all of the American airlines that are flying right now, they're all flying because of taxpayer dollars, you know, which, um, uh, you know, is, uh, is a luxury that they're able to, um, to get, uh, being, being businesses in this country. But I want to talk to you a little bit about countries as brands. Yes. Because you um, mentioned this, and I'm excited to hear what, <laughs> Where are you going to compare which countries to which brands? Well, I mean, countries are brands in many ways, right? Like if you if you think about countries that promote themselves super actively abroad to uh, attract uh, tourists, to attract business um, business opportunities. Yeah. I mean, you could you could name a, like a bunch. I'm sure off the top of your head, like I think about Turkey always promoting itself as de- as, as a destination. The UK always promoting itself as Australia. a destination. Australia, yeah, would visit Australia. Um, you know, Ireland constantly has something around the business kind of like entry point into Europe. Um, you know, Spain has something with all of their different regions. So countries put a lot of thought and care into promoting, like they've historically for, for decades have built up their brands. You know, if you, if you think about Australia, some people still associated with, with some of the advertising from like the late nineties leading to the Olympics in Sydney. You know, if you think about um, the UK, when you arrive at Heathrow, you know, you have all of the, kind of the iconic sort of characters yeah. from like the guards of the, at the tower saying, you know, welcome to Great Britain to like some of the more prominent, you know, actors and authors and, um, and other famous people. And so right now, um, these brands, I feel, are just getting shellacked, like just getting absolutely crushed, not just because of how they're um, being portrayed in the media, but also how, with how they're dealing with the reality on the ground in the case of people um, coming into contact with them um, right now. Right. So my, yeah. my, my personal experience of transiting through the UK, a country for which I have a lot of heart for, and you know, which has historically been my preferred point of transit um, was just horrible. It was just everything about it was horrible. Everything was just inconsistent with uh, the sort of the progressive you know, business first, traveler first approach that that they've taken. Uh, incredibly long wait lines, incredibly incredibly long wait lines. Uh, out, you know, hours and hours and hours. My my mind was three hours just to cross passport control, just to change planes. Um, Jesus. You know, but uh, you know, my friends are saying that if you were unlucky enough to arrive in the evenings, those those wait times could expand to six eight hours. 
um, with the government's official position being, well, you should not be traveling. Um, so don't, <laughs> don't complain. Um, with people from multiple countries waiting in those lines, mixing, exchanging potentially variants that they're still going to bring into the country. So like the whole concept of, of, of those lines seems to be perverse and broken. Um, mixed messaging, my, the message I heard crossing the, crossing the UK border going in one direction was conflicting and uh, opposite of what I heard uh, coming, coming back. Um, and the forms that they force that they make you fill out just across the border, just to change planes are insane. It feels like the era of like when you had to still get visas uh, to enter, um, to cross borders and enter countries. The entire experience was just terrible. Arbitrary rules that were put in place that have no connection to um, to reality on the ground, to safety. Like if you're a rational person, like COVID didn't arrive yesterday or a month ago or two months ago. We've been living with COVID for over a year at this point. There is no excuse for not having, to, having figured this out at this point. And I'm, I'm not saying that the U.S. does it perfectly, but like, let's like either call a spade a spade and it's like, we just can't control some elements. Or if you're going to put controls in place, then like, just make it sensible, like make it, make it like be fit the purpose. My impression with dealing with you with the UK uh, over the last 30 days was that I don't want to travel through it again, like not until this thing is completely and entirely over, because um, I'm going to be getting mixed information from their own government about how to how to deal with it as a, an arriving tourist or potentially someone who is just transiting through it. Um, my experience at the check-in gate with British Airways was uh, horrible because they did not know their own country's rules because those were changing. And so they did not know which documents I had to fill out. And there was a huge disconnect. I almost missed my flight. Um, their approach to just what seems to be like a sensible uh, form of regulation um, was completely out of whack with reality. Um, so uh, I look at the UK and I just feel like they're just shooting themselves in the foot. Um, same thing with uh, with Finland, uh, which I've also enjoyed transiting through in, in, in the past. And I feel like they've done a pretty horrible job of, um, of doing this. Um, the opposite of that, though, is that I look at some other countries that seem seem to like try to actually build up their brands during this time. Dubai, open for business, part of the United Arab Emirates. It's um, it's um, got a super aggressive vaccination campaign going on right now. I'm not saying that you know th this is not without controversy, and they're not like things that um, that should raise eyebrows and red flags there. But um, for many people in Europe, this has become a safe haven uh, during this time of insane regulations that are being uh, put in place, which people more more than before are considering quite in, to be quite inept. The Bahamas, places like Estonia, a country in Europe, um, are issuing digital nomad residency permits so that people can come and um, you know and work remote from from their countries without sort of tax implications. Iceland um, seems to have reopened their borders for tourists for tourism with sensible um, COVID testing controls. Um, so there there are countries who seem to be sort of looking at this problem now using the last twelve months of experience. Um, and they're basically saying like, is there an opportunity here? Can we stand out from the rest? The, so much of the world is acting in completely unreasonable, very politicized sort of way. Is there an ed edge that we can achieve through this? And I feel like some countries are, are doing a really good job. Like who would have known about Estonia until, until they started rolling out some of these programs or the Bahamas, um, you know, yeah. 
I saw the Bahamas came out very early in the pandemic saying, get your digital nomad uh, visa, come work here for six months. And, you know, it's, it's fine. Whereas like other, other visa permit type um, sort of work roles, you know, thinking about like how hard is it to get a visa to come work in the U S kind of thing. And, you know, there are people, countries who are looking at it in a, in a way that's beneficial. I mean, it's, it's tricky because you've got, a rampant virus that doesn't really care and combine that with people who also don't seem to really care and it'd be really hard to try and control it but it sounds like you know after a year you'd think they would have figured it out like it's not like this is early pandemic where we had no idea what's going on or how things worked or what's or like how to deal with it we've been struggling limping through this for 12 12 months now more than that yeah it was 13 months just like the virus doesn't discriminate, I also feel like um, the the responses to the virus, like they're so inconsistent that they don't take into account the commonality of of what happens, right? Like why 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 is the why is the process in in parts of Europe so drastically different from uh, some of the other parts of the world where this thing seems to be a lot more under control? Um, you know. Talk to Australians. I mean, they will, you know, it's nearly it's impossible. Zealand. It's it's nearly well. I mean, they've they've just isolated themselves completely, but at, at a huge expense of their own um, compatriots. You know, so I know it's I know it's a tricky one, but I feel like there is lasting damage to uh, to these countries, especially because they've built themselves with these kind of progressive bastions of you know free commerce and um, free movement of people, and right now just they're acting against you know, their own future sort of brand equity. Um, so be that as it may. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think it's, you've got the government involved in regulations and not, and not, and not in, in the thinking about marketing and how they're going to recover from this, especially when you've got all of the, if you look at the U S for example, and how that, and how that's being viewed in terms of the rest of the world, I mean, you'd be surprised if anyone came here on holiday in the next 12 months. Um, you're going to return back to wherever you want to go. My, my, my arrival into the U.S. just a side note was I've never had this experience before. I mean, I flew right into LAX, Los Angeles, um, zero, like zero control. I mean, I, so I have global entry. Um, I walked up to the, passport machine uh the little scanner thing f- f- which usually i you have to insert, insert a passport to i i looked at it i while fishing for my passport it took a picture of me while i was like looking at it all, like <laughs> sideways and uh and it just let me through it it just printed the receipt recognized my face it didn't even need my uh my passport to be like i still had it in my backpack sped out a receipt i handed it to a customs agent who um glanced at it with half of one eye and i was through that was it <laughs> that was the and my my experience eight ten hours prior was three hour wait in london jeez so it usually is the other way around well especially for me because i'm i have to take the i have to take the long way around through through the yeah. u.s airports um but yeah i think i think how countries going back to your countries as brands i'm interested to see what the crack team of agencies are working on for each of the uh the rebrand campaigns once this is all over to try and entice people back. I saw Egypt um, as they are beginning to reopen just happened to discover just this week by pure coincidence with the reopening of the country, 
a 3000 year old um, city that no one had ever seen before this week. What incredible, a, incredible coincidence. And it, and they managed to dig it all out uh, within this week and put all of the things on display. And they're now going to ship it through to the museum in a big pompous ceremony. But just this week, they found this 3000 year old city that's never been seen before. It's for, quite remarkable. For sure. And by the way, speaking of Egypt and also phenomenal things, um, they uh, recently opened a new museum of Egypt yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and did this whole incredible parade where they transferred the, the pharaohs from their old museum to their new museum. And as cheesy as that uh, looked, it also looked incredible. It just like they put yeah. on, it, it felt like the opening ceremony for the Olympics. It's it's kind of a big deal. I mean, like they are trying to reopen and get people back in, and it it, it it's a it's a big deal. So like, I'm I'm kind of happy they did that. I did see in the news some um, people went to go to the parade to try and see it live. Yeah, and I think they had told everyone that this would be TV only, and there were no crowds allowed. So they'd corn it off, you know, blocks away from where the parade was happening. Everyone's like, "Well, how could they let this happen? And how could you not have people around?" Like, yo, dude. It's still a pandemic. They want to don't want to draw thousands of people to watch this thing and you know risk spreading more of the virus. Just go watch it on TV like everyone else. Like I get that it's a, you know an important occasion, but they told you before it wasn't going to be for IRL people. It's for TV only. Just go watch it on TV. Just so. like just like WWE, that thing looks better on television than in real life. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But this is more real life than that. Um. Quick bit, just uh, just a quick note. Um, vaccine marketing, it's only a huge topic. We're not going to get into it, but both J&J and AstraZeneca, um, the two big vaccine manufacturers, um, have gotten into some um, some muddy waters uh, with um, with their vaccines. Clearly, you know, I, I'm I'm sure that their intentions have always been good and noble and it's incredible the vaccines that they have produced are as effective as they are and as you know all, all of the caveats in place but jj just today uh we we heard that the us has suspended the vaccination drive astrazeneca yep. has been going through fits and starts with its own vaccine um some of the same issues that we heard with jnj um today have been happening with astrazeneca which is the preferred vaccine in the european union and canada in much of the de- developing world um Here's the thing, though, having your name in the news like that all the time, does it create like a bad halo effect for like, well, you know, I've never really thought about looking at who like manufactured the thing that like the medicine that I'm taking. But if you're taking a look now and you're, I don't know, other medicine unrelated to COVID said it says AstraZeneca or, you know, Johnson and Johnson, like how much of a brand equity hit is this? Like you're trying to do a good thing. Like you're, you're doing something that's incredibly un- unheard of in terms of its speed. And yeah, like, is it taking a hit? Uh, I, I don't, I don't think so. You don't? Because I, I, I don't know if anyone is going to know what drug makers make what drug after this. I think this is like a, Maybe people will be more interested later, but I feel like right now, because there's it's been so focused on and everyone is trying to find out the best thing for the vaccine, like everyone knows the efficacy rates of each of the different vaccines. Everyone knows how to pronounce efficacy. 
Like this is a very weird time where we learn things that we don't normally learn or care about. And I feel like when you go back to, you know, buying your regular drugstore drugs or prescriptions, you're just going to get whatever is cheapest and whatever is the most suitable for your symptoms. I'm not sure that AstraZeneca or Johnson & Johnson are going to take a huge hit other than the hit right now of not selling more vaccines to make loads of money. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't thought. know. I didn't know anything about AstraZeneca before. So the only thing I know about AstraZeneca now is that uh, people, some people, a small number of people, but still people got those. Well, points. that's when you want to put a brand on it and not have your your uh, company name on it. Like the Sinovac, which was like the Chinese vaccination, which also had some problems yeah. in Hong Kong, had a lot of issues. Um, and people were like not taking any vaccine whatsoever because of eight people i think died from it um but like that's when you want you know like seven million people have had the johnson johnson vaccine i think they've been what like six blood clots yeah so like i get that you need to be cautious but birth control medication causes more blood clots flying causes more blood clots you don't see people banning either of those things so i get we want to be cautious but let's be realistic about who's going to get impacted more lack of johnson johnson vaccines means more people get coronavirus and therefore more people are likely to die from that no i uh i completely, i'm completely with you which is why i feel it's yes. crazy it's yes. crazy that you know this kind of thing has to i mean gets this much attention it's i understand why but i feel like it's incredibly unfair to these brands um and their parent companies to you know like you said, instead of the brands, it's basically it's Johnson and Johnson. It's AstraZeneca. It's like no one thinks about like that. The actual name of this thing is something else. Um, if so. if you can name me a, an AstraZeneca product this time next year uh, of like a new product or something that's come out, I'll be very impressed because I'm not sure most people can make AstraZeneca connect to a product that they potentially might use. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know any products from AstraZeneca, so um, maybe they have maybe have they have some anti blood clot medication that they sell. <laughs> Conspiracy! Conspiracy! Um, last one um, for for today, T-Mobile. Um, T-Mobile. So yes. I read. I, I, talk, I think this, talk to I, us about that. I, I feel like this one was from uh, from a, from a minute ago, but they launched basically they launched an app platform and. The crappy thing is that they're just for, for, for the layman's among us to find ad platform. Uh, they are uh, an ad platform is uh, something that they are using uh, as a service to sell to advertisers who can uh, then come and advertise using their platform to to their consumers, essentially to people who use T-Mobile. Um, so they created this, this service for advertisers to uh, advertise to uh, T-Mobile subscribers. Um, the the thing with this ad platform is it automatically opts people in. It automatically opts like I'm a T you're a T-Mobile subscriber, right? Are you T-Mobile? No. Oh no, no, you're no, not. AT and T, baby. Oh, my bell, my bell. Why they? I feel like they've they they've been doing this thing for for decades. It's just like never oh, bothered yeah. to like go go out with a press release. But T-Mobile has uh, has uh, has done this. They are opting people in uh, automatically. I'm a T-Mobile subscriber. I didn't really get a notification that this was something that uh, I could um, you know opt in or opt out of. Um, it owns Sprint. Um, it tried to buy Sprint like 25 times. It finally got through during the Trump administration. Um, so it has even more 
people to uh to do this with and uh yeah i just feel like they're just becoming very bullish about what they're able to do how they monetize this this asset that they have which is their customer base um and i just i, I don't like the smell of it you know in the era of gdpr and ccpa and everything else that just kind of says like consumers should have the right to decide whether they like opt in opt out with what apple is doing by by limiting limiting um third parties from opting people with in cookies as well cookies like this just seems like an underhanded move oh, yeah i was gonna say like are they allowed to do this i mean you're you're a california resident you're protected by the ccpa um are they allowed to just opt you into selling your data is that or i mean is that part of the contract you signed like how are they able to get away with this but my contract or, was signed i mean i think before they were even thinking about this thing so i would like to at least know that i can opt out of it or that i get a notification from them that this is something they opted me into uh i think vizio the tv maker a couple couple of years ago got into hot waters with this because they started like they rolled out an ad platform as well and opted all of their tv owners in and got sued and had to then present like an opt-out feature. I just don't know, like, I'm sure their lawyers are more versed in this than you and I are, but it just, you know, it doesn't, it does not pass my smell test. Yeah, like, especially given everything else, like, you know, I'm trying to figure out what, what the iOS 14 means for mobile app acquisition and how you can run mobile campaigns and attribution and all that stuff. And like what that means, and no one knows because no one's, they haven't defined it yet, but it seems weird that they're taking the opposite approach to the, the, the sort of the big tech players of increased privacy and increased data protection and saying they will monetize your data um, for you without giving you anything. I mean, if they said, we'll take 50 bucks off your bill a month and we can use, we can opt you in, you know, maybe maybe it's worth it for you. Maybe it's not. But I think without the, without that, which is probably where we're heading soon, um, it seems like it's, it seems like a very weird thing for them to try and do. I mean, what are they, what are they opting you in on? Like, where are you getting served these ads? If it's on their T-Mobile website, I'm pretty sure no one's ever going to see that because. I don't think it's their T-Mobile website. I, I think it's uh, your bill. Like they, they probably just all sell the data. Uh, that you can just use for targeting somehow because you're like selling opt-in users, you know? Yeah. Or if they're um, just selling data to the big data collectors for advertisers to then buy against. You know, they have their like streaming TV platform. Um, I had a funny quick thing, uh, quick story. Uh, Allegiant Air. Um, I was looking for tickets um, to, uh, I never fly with them, but I was, they, they had the only nonstop flight to Cincinnati, which is uh, where I'm planning on going. And um I went on their website, mobile website, and like the little thing popped up saying, you know, we use cookies um, and if oh, you yeah. want to opt out. So I click, I was like, I'm going to opt out of this one. I don't need Allegiant Air to be selling, you know, my stuff to anyone. Uh, a form, I had to like write my request in writing, um, like instead of just selecting, like everything was selected, like, yes, we sell your data. Yes, we use it for marketing. Yes. And like, I couldn't opt out of it just by unselecting. I had to submit a request. So I was like, oh, you bastard. So I said there, like I submitted my request. I'm like, I'm not going to let you sell my data, especially if you like, don't let me eat so easily opt out. And like, yeah. okay, we sent your request to uh, our team for review. We'll be in touch. And then someone emailed me and was, uh, and they make you go back into their portal. Um, and when, when, when I went back, um, 
they, oh, and I said that I was a California resident. And so because of CCPA, like I'm, I don't want them to sell my data. So they wrote back to me and they said, we don't sell your data, but we do things with your data, like literally, but we do things with, with your data that under CCPA can be defined as selling your data. That's what they said to me. I can read it verbatim, but that's, that's pretty close to it. <laughs> and they didn't say that we're opting you out. They were basically just correcting me when I said, I want you to not sell my data. They're like, we don't sell your data. We just do things with, with it that under CCPA would qualify as selling your data. So I responded back to them and I'm like, whatever it is that you do with my data that under CCPA qualifies as selling it, I don't want you to do it. And I haven't heard back from them. <laughs> so Allegiant Air- We don't do that. But <laughs> legally, if you just look at the legal definition defined by the courts, legally then maybe it could be classified as that come on man if that's if that's your excuse or your rationale then i think maybe you need a better one because that seems like a very very bad way of going about it that just i mean that was definitely written by a human being that was a human being with 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 a response uh template it's like yeah someone says opt out you tell them Nothing to opt out of because we don't do anything bad with your data, except that the government says that we do, but we don't. But we don't. But remember, we don't. Except the government says by the definition of that legal, we do. But we don't do that in quite the way that you've defined it. But how the government defined it, we do. Look, low fare. Yeah. (laughs) Low fare. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I've just given up on trying to opt out. Like every website you go to now, I'm just like, sure. Because they've made it so freaking hard to opt out. They don't, I mean, of course they will, because this is where they make loads of money from. But like, it's like you have to opt out of every, in some cases, every single um, thing that you like. And it's like every functional cookies marketing, the partners. Oh, no, it's like at the partner level, this is like, you know, this ad network, this ad network, this, that, this, this, this thing, this thing, this thing. You know, it can be like a thousand rows long. You're like, I'm not. I'm not going to opt out all of all of this. You've made it deliberately difficult for me to do this, but I need to access the website. So I guess that's the, that's the trade. That's the value exchange between you know, me accessing the website and to buy tickets and you taking my money and taking my data and sending me a shitty flight on a shitty airline. I, I wonder if there is uh, if some if someone can just um, share with us what is the worst opt out experience if anything beats Allegiant. Um, I'm thinking like where you have to free write all of the names of all the networks. Like they don't give you the options. You just have to like <laughs> you just have to come up with the names on your sure. Well, you opt out. Just like let us know. Free write them into this text box. Yeah, and we'll review well, it within yeah, seven to ten which years. Networks you, which <laughs> networks you want us to opt out? Um, in which time frame? In which look back window? Um, and in which kind of attribution and we'll we'll take you out of that easy peasy yeah just make sure you spell them correctly yeah (laughs) if you spell google with only you know with only one o then we don't know um on that note yeah i feel like we've uh we've reached the end of our uh discussion lane today um thank you thank you for um uh joining me and uh i look forward to doing this again next week me too we'll uh we'll get some of these links out onto the website um 30minutescmo.com 30minutescmo.com I knew that didn't need you to remind me about that I promise 30minutescmo.com where Gorgia has also written something uh, something new on the blog so go check that out as well <laughs> <laughs>